If you would turn in the scripture this morning to Matthew, Matthew the 16th chapter, we've been on a subject for a few weeks now, we're calling the church, and we said the church, or church, it's not just a Sunday thing, what is the church? Well, in Matthew 16, has been our main text, Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus asked his disciples, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, whom say you that I am? And uh, we spent a whole Sunday on this, talking about who he is. He is the head of the church. And uh, what you believe about him determines whether you are saved or lost. Determines whether your life is wasted or not. And whether you spend eternity in heaven or hell. So this is about as important as it gets, isn't it? What you believe about him. Now, people say a whole lot of things about him. They were saying all kinds of things about him then. Some says, well, I think he's a prophet. If you look at other scriptures, some people were saying he's a good man. Some people are still saying that today. Others said, no, he deceives the people. Others say, well, I think he's a prophet. Some says he's a prophet like this one. One said, no, I think he's more of a prophet like Jeremiah. Some said, no, I think he's more like Elijah. And so there was a lot of things being said about him, but he didn't spend a lot of time talking about that. He said, what do you say about me? Hmm? So people say, well, he was a good teacher. Uh, He lived a good life. He set a good example. Uh, He's one of many ways to enlightenment or to God and what have you. But no, if you believe all that, then you're wasting your life. And you're lost. People say, you don't think there's many ways to God? I can't be a Christian and believe that. If you believe that, you're not a Christian. Being a Christian means you are a Christ I am. A disciple of the anointed one means you believe, you follow what he has taught and you believe what he says. Well, he said, I am the way. The way nobody gets to the Father except by me. So we can't be a Christian and believe that there is any more than one way. Jesus is the way. Do you believe it or not? He is the way. What do you believe about him makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. So you can't be saved without Jesus. Don't care who you are, where you are, when you are. Without him. You're lost. Oh, but with him, in him, we have everything. Verse 16, Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Everybody say that out loud. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Say that again. You are the Christ, the son of the Of the living God. Say this too. And you're my Lord. Lord. 
Amen. You enjoy saying that? (laughs) You don't need to hesitate on that. Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. You know, he said, if you're ashamed of me and my words before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Paul said, if we deny him, he'll deny us. Man, this is strong language. But if we'll confess him before men, he will confess us before the Father. So we must confess him now, here in this life, in front of people. If we get persecuted for it, so be it. But don't ever be intimidated. Because around people that are non-Christians about you being a Christian. Now you don't have to try to push Christianity off on them or, or push the gospel down their throat. If they don't want to hear it, the Bible said don't cast your pearls before swine. But on the other hand, you make no apology for being a Christian. and You don't act the least bit, the slightest amount embarrassed because you're a faith person. Because you believe in healing. Because you believe, come on now, because you believe in prosperity. Because you speak in tongues. You are not the least bit intimidated or ashamed of these things. You don't care who knows it. You are not embarrassed. Don't you try to hide from people on the job and your employers and, and your customers and this and that that you're a Christian, that you're a believer. Now, you don't have to be obnoxious about it either. And you don't have to try to preach a sermon to everybody you meet. I'm just saying you are not ashamed. Hmm? And you're not trying to hide anything. No. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now he went on to say, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. And that was a word for stone or rock. And upon this rock, which is a different word for rock. The word for Peter, that word rock, is like a stone that might be lifted up by a man or a couple of men and moved. But this word, other, when he said, this, on this rock I'll build my church, that's rock like a mountain. Hallelujah. Rock like foundational rock that you could build something on. He said on this rock, what rock? The rock that he is the Christ. The son of the living God. On that rock. He said I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Glory to God. Amplified says I tell you, you are Peter. Uh, Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the powers of darkness, the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. There's more than one meeting when it says the gates of hell shall not prevail. Gates represented authority. Gates also kept people in and kept people out. Right? Gates are controlling apparatus to control what gets in and what gets out. 
You control the gate, you control the flow. What are we talking about? What gates? Gates of hell. Gates of Hades. Jesus said, on this rock, I personally am going to build my church. (laughs) Is this important to the head of the church? (laughs) Glory to God. Does this stir you up at all? Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And the authority and the powers of darkness and hell are not going to be able to withstand or prevail or hold out against. Glory to God. It. Well, now there's, how many believe the power that's in and of the church is greater than the power of darkness? No question about that. How many believe that there are no devils and there is no work of darkness that is stronger than God, that is stronger to destroy the church than God's power to keep the church? No, no, no. But darkness is enslaving millions. The powers of hell, which is darkness and deception and death, have millions in blindness and in bondage. Well, how does the Lord build his church? Where are the building materials for the church? I said, well, us, we're already in. But where did we come from? We came from the lost, from the darkness, from the unsaved, from the world, right? Well, where's the rest of the building materials for the church coming from? And they are enslaved in darkness and lies and deception. And the devil has the gates shut on them. But the church is busting through the gates. And the enslaved in darkness are pouring out the gates into the kingdom of God. They tell us conservative estimates. Conservative estimates. Just what people know conservative, 60,000 plus a day getting saved in the world. That's what people know about. Glory to God. Well, the gates of hell is not holding them in. The darkness is not keeping them in. Hallelujah. So the gates of hell shall not prevent the building of the church, shall not hold the masses in darkness so they cannot come into the church, and none of the powers of darkness will be able to destroy the church and overcome the church. This church of the Lord Jesus is unstoppable. Unstoppable. Glory to God. And we're part of it. You're part of it. I'm part of this eternal, unstoppable church. Glory to God. Well, we found out that the Lord is building his church. Now, two things that we mentioned, I want to tell you again. You know it, but let's remind ourselves. The Lord is seeking to do what with his church? Build it. Build it. What's the devil seeking to do? Tear it down. Destroy it. God is, the Lord is building his church, building it up. Now that's a a number of things involved in that. To build means to increase, also means to strengthen. 
It means these two things. When you're building a house, you, uh, you can increase its size. You can build on to the house. But uh, in order to do that, especially if you're going up, you've got to strengthen the house. And the higher you go up, the stronger it's got to be. You've seen them build these skyscrapers? And man, they'll be out there in the ground month after month after month, and they're working and working. You're thinking, when are they ever going to start building this thing? Well, the longer they're in the ground, what does that indicate? That's the higher they're going up. And you've got to have the strength in the base and the foundation to do it. How many think this church that God's building is going to go high, going to go big? Going to go high. So it's got to be strong. And then not only that. But as the Lord builds his church. Different parts of it need to be continually reinforced. And quickened. And strengthened. The Bible talks about that. That the apostles, the disciples, the prophets in the book of Acts. That go to different places. And the Bible said they strengthened the believers. They strengthened. And what are they doing? This is the church. And they're going around. And they're checking for termites. (laughs) And they're checking for weakness and they're getting stuff cleaned up and they're getting it reinforced with what? With the word of God and with the power of God. And so the church needs to be strengthened and the church needs to be enlarged. And this is what the Lord is doing. And if this is, we took a lot of time talking about how this is a priority to the Lord himself, to the head of the church. And if it's top on his list, it should be top on our list. And we should be very much interested and active in assisting him and working with him to build his church every day. It's not the will of God that the church be diminished. You know, you hear people saying they used to run, you know, 500 and now they run five. But they're okay with it because God did a cleansing in their midst. That's not right. I said, that's not right. The churches are supposed to be full and there's supposed to be new churches springing up. You know, it is so ignorant how churches and pastors act. They're so scared they're going to get some of my people. Do you know what percentage of the surrounding counties in these couple, two or three states around here are in church this morning? If every church building that exists was filled to the max. Do you know how many people still wouldn't be in church? In these surrounding counties. People are ignorant. And they're so scared of losing their little people. No. Every church is supposed to be maxed. And new churches. And new churches. And growing and expanding and bigger. Right? What about all the millions of people that are lost. And not going anywhere. And not doing anything. Is it God's will for them to come in? Yes it is. Yes it is. Boy, if we could just get excited about it this morning, (laughs) I think it would please the Lord. What is he interested in? What are we interested in? Making our payments. Going to work. Going to school. Coming back. Retiring. (laughs) Huh? It's true. People are just too busy with their own life to build the church. Are we interested in what he is interested in? Is his priority our priority? When we read and hear him say, on this rock, I will build my church. We ought to think, me too. 
Yeah, I'll help you, Lord. You here am I. I'll help you in building this thing. You got my strength. You got my body. You got my mind. You got my money. You got my time. Here am I. Let's get this thing done. Because just in a few more breaths, we're all out of here. Just a few more days, we're gone. And it won't matter who knew us or how successful we were in the world or how much money we made. It won't matter at all. All little matter is if we did what he put us down here to do, if we did our part in building his church. Don't get condemned now. You would only be condemned if you've already made up your mind, I'm not doing anything. See, people are condemned because they've already made up their mind. I know that's right, but we've got our life to live and I'm busy and I'll come to church once in a while, but don't expect anything else of me. Well, don't talk to me about it. If he's okay with that, you're fine with me. I don't care beyond what he says, but I don't think he's okay with that. Do you? I don't think he's okay with that. He said, you got to be willing to leave everything. Didn't he? If you're going to be his disciple, you got to be willing for it to cost you everything and follow him. We are not just put on the planet to go through our routine, to get up, go to work, make supper, make the bed, sweep the floor, wash the car, and do it again the next day. Huh? Go to the soccer game, go to the parent-teacher meeting, get your hair done. Come home. Hmm? (laughs) Why are we here? Why do you exist? Is God real? Does he exist? Is Jesus real? What's he doing? See, people, people write all these books and they theorize about why are we here? It's a great mystery. Why are we here? Well, if you're a Christian and you read the Bible, you know why you're here. You know why you're here. All things have been created for his pleasure. And it gives him good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Glory to God. And he's building his church. He's doing something that lasts for eternity. So we ought to get up in the morning thinking, build the church, build the church. How are we going to build the church today? Build the church. In lunchtime, we ought to be in between bites thinking, how are we going to build the church? How are we going to build the church? Right? Lord, how can I help build the church? Not just a local church, the church. The church. How can we build the church? And keep that in our mind, keep that in our thinking, because what's important to him is important to us. Now, what is the church? The church are the called together ones. Called out of the world, called out from wherever we were, but not just called, but called together. Unity is a big part of the church. Also, the church are those written in heaven, the Bible says, where our names are written. In the Lamb's book of life. That's the church. The Bible says the church is his body. The church is the body of Christ. He is the head of the church. He is the head of the body. 
The Bible calls the church his bride. We are the Lord's wife. We are the Lord's bride. We talked about this. The church is called the house of God. The house. And we read in 1 Corinthians where he's building this house. And he used the comparisons like a master builder. And he said everybody's going to be rewarded according to what kind of work you did on the building. And some people's work is going to mean nothing. They didn't do anything that mattered. And it's going to be tried by fire. It's going to be gone. But other people's work was good. And when it passes the test of the fire, it's going to be like gold and silver and precious stones. It's going to last forever. And you'll be rewarded for it. What you did to help build this thing. Are you in the building business? Come on now. Anybody in here? Are we in the building business? We're in the building business. Building business. And uh, you know I don't think it's a coincidence. That the Lord. uh, Even in his natural life. Came into a family of carpenters. (laughs) And that's what he did. Right? Why? Well it was a natural example. He's a builder. He's a builder. Takes materials and makes something out of it. And he's building his church. Somebody say he's building his church. He's building his church. He's building his church. Now I would like for you to go with me to 1 Timothy please. 1 Timothy and the third chapter. 1 Timothy and 3. Talking more about the church this morning. The reason I'm exhorting along this line is just God expects us to respond in faith before we know what we're going to do. Hmm? Have you found out the Lord's big on faith now? Have you? It's a requirement. It's not an option. And so he does things like this all the time. He says, okay, guys, I'm going to build my church. You with me? And if you go, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm busy. I got kids. I got a job. I, what do you want? Unacceptable. If you do that, he is already displeased with you. Exactly. Are you with me now? Yes. Me, you? He requires faith. Yes. There's only one answer. Yes, the Lord says, On this rock, I will build my church. You going to help me? You should say, yes. (laughs) What does that mean? Doesn't matter. Whatever it means. Yeah, Lord, you show me. And yes. And everybody knows the technical correct answer to that question. And yet, people don't. They're too busy. They're too preoccupied. They got too much going. They're going to look at one of these days and they're old and their life is over. And they did some stuff, but they didn't build the church. And it's going to be sad. Even if you're saved, the Bible says you're saved, yet so is by fire, but no reward. People say, I don't care as long as I make it in. You say that now. (laughs) I said, you say that now. You won't. (laughs) Well. How about let's do all we can? Amen. Amen. 
The Lord expects a faith response. He's always been this way. You know, he told his disciples on that occasion when all the hillsides are covered with people. They've been out there for a long time. They're all hungry. And he looks at his disciples. He says, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? The Bible said he said it, you know, he already knew what he was going to do. But he said it to check them out. What does he expect from them? Huh? He didn't expect them to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm picking up something right now. Now let's see. Oh yeah, you, there's a little boy's lunch here and you're going to bless that and whoo, glory. And the whole bunch is going, no, he didn't expect them to see all that and know all that. In fact, if you saw all that, it wouldn't require as much faith. And the Bible didn't say you seeing everything pleased God. Without you knowing things, it's impossible to please God. What did it say? Without faith, without faith. Could they have responded in faith to that phrase? They could have. They could have just said, Lord, you know. (laughs) And I'm convinced that you can handle this. Hmm? You got believing when you don't know, when you don't understand, that's faith. Are you willing for the Lord to use you? Are you willing? For him to take your life any direction that it pleases him. Many are not. But are you? You hear how weak that is. Help us Lord. Come on now. Think with me just a minute. Not not between me and you. Between you and him. Are you willing for the Lord to take your life any direction that pleases him? Hmm? Are you willing to go anywhere? Or stay anywhere. Do anything. With anybody. That would please him. Hmm? If you're not. That unwillingness. Prevents you getting direction. People say well. It depends on what it is. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. If you're unwilling to do. Anything. You're unqualified to do everything. I'm going to say that again. If you're unwilling to do anything, you're unqualified to do everything. I'm going to go over that again real slow. You must be willing what? When it comes to the Lord, He made you. He gives you your next breath. You wouldn't exist without Him. You have no future without him. When it comes to him, you don't have to know how, where, and when. You are to be willing before he asks the question. You are to be willing to do anything. Millions are not. Millions are not. They might be willing to do a few things, but don't get in this area and don't mess with that. Stay out of my life. No, I got to have my space. I got to have, well, that's why their life is like it is. So narrow and so small. And they'll wake up in a few days and their life will be over. And they didn't do what he told them to do. Said out loud, I am am willing willing to do anything to to please the Lord. If you're not willing to do anything, 
you're disqualified to do the things you think you are willing to do. You're disqualified to do everything unless you're willing to do anything. Hmm? Think about it. Did you find 1 Timothy yet? What is the church? Is it a social club? Is it a do-gooder group? Huh? Is that all it is? We are the church of the Lord. We are his body. We're his bride. We're his house. And here's something else. We are his family. The church is his family. In fact, before you read Timothy, go to Ephesians 3. I think you ought to read this first. Ephesians 3. Y'all helping me today? I feel a little uh, slow, heavy sled today. It's like... You ever try to push a car and you realize somebody's got the brake on? Go, man, take your foot off the brake. Uh, oh, this thing move. Oh, you're trying to push it. Yes. Get your foot off the brake. <laughs> Look over at your neighbor and see their foot. Say, take your foot off the brake. Get, get your foot off the brake. <laughs> Ephesians 3 14 now you do need to be serious about what we're talking about because this gets into your life yes this is going to change your life if you do it it's going to change your routine your priorities but to be unwilling to change is serious business it'll cost you Cost you and your family, seriously. And you can't wait till you know what it is. Faith is willing before it knows. Ephesians 3 and 14. He said, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, of whom the whole family in heaven And earth is named. Everybody say the Father. Father. And the family. family. Now why do we use the terminology we use? It's become just a religious thing. But brother so and so. Sister so and so. Why did that get started? Where did that come from? It's family. Family. And churches and ministries and groups have become, in some cases, cold organizations. They've been as much about business as anything else. And they've lost that family feel. And if they do, they're not operating like the church. They don't feel like the church. What spirit is the church supposed to be of? It's supposed to be a cold Hard spirit? Spirit of judgment? Hmm? No. We didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, the Bible said. 
We received the spirit of adoption. Oh, glory to God. What spirit is that? That's the spirit that makes you feel a part. Even though you didn't come, you weren't originally part of the bunch. You were outside the group, but you got adopted. Oh, glory to God. And you're not treated differently because you're adopted. True adoption means you are a part now. You're just as much a part as anybody else. Any other way they got in, you are a part. Glory to God. You know, uh, sometimes people act like that. So, uh, well, let me give this illustration. It'll, Brother Lester Sumrall used to say this when he was ministering to some people in the Orient. He said uh, he would tell them, and they, it amused them. He said, I'm, uh, I think it was Chinese, he said. He said, I am more Chinese than you. Speaking to the Chinese. And they huh? He said, I'm Chinese by choice. You had no choice. <laughs> well, does the Bible say we are chosen? Yes. He chose us. Yes. Glory to God. He chose us and put us into this family. And we, you know, he, when he chose us, we responded and we chose him. Yes. Didn't we? Yes. And the spirit of adoption, what does it say? Whereby we cry, Abba, that's Daddy. Daddy. Well, daddy is not cold. That's not a cold word, is it? That's not a, an organizational word. That's not a business word. Daddy. 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 That's homie. That's family. The father, the daddy. Big daddy. <laughs> big daddy and the big family part of the family is in heaven you got people that's there we do we got people already there part of the family is in heaven and part of the family is here on the earth it doesn't make a bit of difference what name they got on their church sign or door or denomination group. that means not a thing about it if you're born again your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're part of this family. One family. Same family. Now the Bible talks about two families in the earth. The family of Satan. So we're, everybody in the world are not brothers and sisters. We're not all brothers and sisters. Though some people try to say that. They talk about the universal family in the earth. No, I'm sorry. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day, You are of your father, the devil. So being religious doesn't get you in the family. But being born again does. Being born again. Somebody say, I'm in the family. I'm in the family. Everybody has this thing in them that they want to belong. Nobody wants to be all alone. Nobody. nobody I don't care what they say. Oh, I'm a lone wolf. I'm a this. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe for three days. But yeah, everybody has something in them they want to be a part. You're supposed to be a part. And uh, what you've seen in the limited temporal success 
of gangs and groups and the organized crime families, etc., are people, there's something in them. They want to feel like they belong. They want to be a part of something. They want to be a part of the family. And so people not being in the church leaves a void. And so people try to fill it by being part of a gang or part of a this or part of a that. Or part, right? And they don't, people don't respect the church because the church has been weak. And the church has been a lot of things besides what it should have been. But it's supposed to be a strong, strong family. Somebody say family. Family. Now go on over to 1 Timothy now, please. 1 Timothy 3. So the Lord building his church is the Lord building his family. Isn't he? What's more important to him than his family? I don't think anything's more important to the Lord than his family, his church. 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3, this whole book deals with pastoring and and church. And he says this, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, that means overseer, he desires a good work. Uh, Peter talks about taking the oversight of the church willingly, not by constraint, not for filthy lucre, of a ready mind, not trying to be Lord over the flock, but as an example. And he went on to talk about what kind of person this person who has oversight of the uh, flock should be, blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not violent, not greedy or filthy lucre, that's not ready, uh, greedy and covetous to get money by questionable means, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Now get this, one that rules well his own house. Now that's not even politically correct today, is it? But it's still Bible. So we know political correctness varies according to who's in office and what day it is and what movies are popular and what articles are current. But this has not changed since it was written. So if you try to live your life politically correct, you are going to be changing. Because what is acceptable and correct today is not going to be so next month, next year, next five, next ten years. So you're going to be changing. You're going to be varying. What's the hot topic? What's the popular thing? Or do you want to base your life on this? That does not change. Does not change because it doesn't need to change. It was right then. It's right now. But now get this. He said, a man that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection. Now that's the word, same word is translated submission, which is also a very unpopular word. <laughs> Into submission. I've seen people get mad at the mention of the word just because you said something about submitting. 
Submission is a Bible word. Can you feel how much fun we're already having? Can you feel? Now, why am I talking about this? I'm talking about the church. But what does the very next part say? If a man is going to have oversight, he's to be a certain caliber of man, shouldn't he? He doesn't need to be a drunk, can't have five women, can't be somebody that gets mad and swings and hits people with his fist. The Bible talks, he needs to be a man that loves other people and is hospitable. He needs to be somebody that knows something about the Bible. Able to teach. Is that what it said? But notice what it goes on to say. One that rules well his own house. Well, people are more familiar with this than they are this. They're more familiar with, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Which is not a scripture. (laughs) But indicates what? Indicates mama rules the roost. Which is the case. In many, many households. Which is not okay with God. So now let's just stop right here. Let's say this man is not a drunk. He doesn't have five wives. He's not a violent striker and all these things. But his wife runs a house. He is not qualified to be an overseer or to have oversight of the work of God. He's not qualified. Or let's say the children run the house. The kids run the house. And you know it if you'll admit it. There are millions of households where the kids run the house. Everything revolves around the kids. What the family does is based on what the kids want to do or what the kids are unwilling to do. And we go or don't go according to who pitches a fit. Did you hear me? The kids run the house. If a man is a good Bible teacher, if he's not a violent man, if he's hospitable, he's clean sexually and everything else, but his kids run the house, he is not qualified to have oversight of the things of God. Is this true or not? But people ignore these things, don't they? Kids are running the house. Mama's running the house. We live in a generation that makes fun of daddy. The sitcoms. Huh? It is a profitable thing in modern society to make fun of daddy and portray him as a childish slob. Right? Who couldn't get it out of the rain without his wife's help. And the sad thing is a lot of modern Christian guys are buying into some of this and are just lazy, just lazy spiritually and lazy physically. And there's no wonder so many of the women think they got to do it if it's going to get done because the men are weak and lazy. 
Well, it's not okay. I said it's not okay. Because read the rest of this. Read What does it say the very next verse? One that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Now, what picture does this portray? He has things well in hand. Everybody knows if daddy ain't happy, you're not going to be happy. Daddy has the situation in hand. When he says something, the kids listen. When he leads, the family follows. What's the very next verse? What does it say? Hmm? If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Are we talking about the church still? How is the church supposed to be run? How is it to operate? Exactly like a family because it is a family. In fact, one of the biggest qualifications for a man that would have oversight of the church is that he is successful in his immediate family. And if he doesn't know how to be successful there, he's not qualified to handle the larger family. Because the same thing that would make you successful with uh, two children and your wife will make you successful with 10,000 people. Exactly the same thing. Because the very same issues that the church deals with are the issues the local family deals with. Individual family, I should say. Listen to another translation. The New Living says, If a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Are we talking about the church? What's the answer to that question? If a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? What's the answer? He can't. Be foolish for him to think he can't. Why? Because it's not going to be less demanding. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be more. If you can't handle two kids, what are you going to do with a thousand? And the bigger the family, the stricter you got to be. Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? Good. True or not? Do you know anybody that's got seven kids? Ten kids? Do they have to have some structure in there? They cannot let these kids just run wild in every direction. They got to have some structure. And the parents have to be in control. And really, the guys that have one and two kids should be the same way. They should be the same way. The Living Bible says, if a man can't make his own little family behave, how can he help the whole church? (laughs) If a man can't make his own little family behave, how can he help the whole church? Go with me to Colossians 3. (laughs) There's three words. That are central to family operation. There are three words that describe the operation of a proper family. There are so many, not just in the world, in the church, that don't know what a family is supposed to be like. Maybe they've had a family for years, but it operates wrong. They have all kind of problems. It's just the grace and mercy of God that they're still together. 
Family is supposed to be wonderful. <laughs> Lord, help us. There's some folk already decided they don't like this message. I can't change these verses for you. They're going to read, they've always read this same. They're going to keep on reading this same. And the truth does what for you? Does it hurt you? Does it put you in bondage? It makes you free. It makes you free. Colossians 3 describes how family is supposed to operate. Colossians 3 and 18. Are you there? Wives do what? Submit yourself. Is that a bad thing? Why do people get so annoyed about this? Oh man, people get ugly about this. It just does this put wives in bondage? No. <laughs> wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Nineteen, what? Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Twenty, what? Children, obey your parents in all things. This is well pleasing. To the Lord. Somebody say submit. Submit. Love. Love. Obey. Obey. This is how families are supposed to operate. The head loves. The wife submits. The children obey. This is not politically correct. In fact this is despised. I said this is despised. But people think they're smarter than God. I think, well, God, you don't know my situation. You don't know my husband. Yeah, he does. You don't know my wife. You sure don't know our kids. Obey. (laughs) That's a thought. (laughs) If you think I'm submitting to George, you've got another idea. (laughs) I didn't write this. I wasn't around when this was written. (laughs) But if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you need to make up your mind whether you're going to live like you think or somebody else thinks or whoever's in office thinks or whether you're a Christian. If Jesus is your Lord, you do it His way. Husbands love. Being the head does not just mean you get to sit in your easy chair and folks wait on you hand and foot. Being the head is responsibility. And being the love head means you don't just lead the family according to what you want. It's the best of your ability to what is best for the family. Are you listening? And how are you going to know that? You're going to get it from God. Well, my wife's the prayer. That's not okay. Thank God that she's the prayer. But she can't do all your praying for you. And if you go to her and ask her, what are you getting in prayer all the time? means you don't even know how to be led. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Be the love head. Husbands, love. Wives, submit. Children, Obey. obey. When you tell your children to do something, what's supposed to happen? 
no back talking, no door slamming, no stomping, just movement. <laughs> Brother Keith, this is 2006. I mean, you don't understand. I mean, when you got MTV and we got all this stuff and we got the schools. This reads exactly the same yes, as it did when your great-grandparents were alive. Yes, People have what they tolerate. People have gotten weak and lazy. And don't get me started on the church. Do people look at the church as a family? Hmm? With a daddy and a mama and younger children? And oh, no, no. Are you kidding? The vast majority of churches in this country. Their pastors are hirelings. They change them every year or two. Just to keep things shaken up. Whether they need to or not. And when they think they're talking good about their pastor. They say. You ought to come over to our church. We got a good little new preacher. Good little preacher. But don't he dare. Have anything to say about your life. Or get in your business. Hmm? Well, see, then people have no concept of church as family and as proper family. Daddy supposed to be the love head. Mama's supposed to be the faith and submit and help. And the Bible talks about guide the household, the house proper. And the children are supposed to what? Demand. Huh? Rebel. Take up all your time. No. What's the word? Tell me what's the word for the children. When you tell them, you ought to be able to tell them one time. No discussion. No reasoning. No wrangling. No stomping. No door slamming. One time. And they do it. And if you got that, you're training them to serve God all their life. Oh, are you listening? You're training them to be good employees and good students. You're training them to be good church members. Right? You're training them to be good Christians. You let them get away with everything, they'll think they can do that at school. They're going to get in trouble. They'll think they can do that on the job. They'll get fired. They'll think they can do that with their spouse. They'll get a divorce. They'll think they can do that with their pastor. And if they got a real pastor, it won't go. They'll lose their place. Guys, let's believe God. And let's get our minds renewed. And let's not be a little do-good organization only. Let's not be a little social club that gets together once in a while and for entertainment purposes primarily. No, let's be a real family. Let's be a real church. Let's have love. Let's have submission. Anything that applies to the wife submitting to the husband applies to the husband submitting to whoever's over him. Applies to the pastor submitting to whoever's over him. It doesn't stop. We got Jesus as our head over all of us. And children obeying. Can you say amen or oh me or I'll think about it or we'll see or just don't say no way. Just don't say that. Go with me to, uh, well, go to Timothy, 1 Timothy again and then we'll go to... uh, Luke 11, and I think we can close.
The church is a family. It's supposed to operate as a proper family. One of the big qualifications for somebody that have the oversight of it is that they rule their own household well. Is that correct? They got their children in subjection with all gravity. Children know how to submit. They got a real family, not just a house where people come and eat together sometimes. And the Bible talks about, Paul said, I'm going to read some of these to you while you're going to 1 Timothy 5. 1 Corinthians 4, 14, he said, I write these things, not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I've begotten you through the gospel. Did he look at them as their daddy, their spiritual father? Now, he didn't go by the title father. The Lord forbid us from doing that. Did you hear me? He didn't go by Father Paul. And it's incorrect for anybody to do so according to the words of Jesus. But he said he was a father. He had begotten them in the gospel and they were his sons. And he looked at them like that and treated them like that. The Bible said in 1 Timothy 5, while you're there, let's read it now. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. Rebuke not an elder, but treat him or entreat him how? How do you treat the older men in the church? As fathers. And the younger men, how do you treat them? As brothers. The elder women, how do you treat them? Mothers. The younger women, and this was a young man he's talking to, how do you treat them? As sisters with all purity. How are we supposed to treat each other? I've heard this, you've heard this on the team videos, haven't you? How people again and again tell how they're as close or closer to the people on the team as they are people that's blood kin. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. We, we're not just like a family. We are a family that are going to be together forever. Forever. Let me give you a little something here to chew on. The Bible talks about joinings, how God has put every member in the body as it has pleased him, and one part is joined to another part. You remember that? And how the whole thing is edified in love. The Bible also says whatever God does, it is forever. Ecclesiastes says, I believe these joinings go beyond this life. I think people that are joined down here are going to be joined later on doing other kingdom projects. Hallelujah. (laughs) So we might as well get used to each other, right? We might as well settle in for the long haul on this thing, get past our little petty differences and squabbling, because, hey, it's me and you. It's us. Now, if you think, well, I, no, I'm just visiting and I don't know who, (laughs) I don't know who I'm joined to. You are supposed to be a part of a church family somewhere. Hmm? You're supposed to be. I was talking to some folk about this earlier. We met some people when we were out on our trip and, uh, you saw it again and again. Uh, they want to know who we are and what's going on with us. And we told them. And, they, and you see them look kind of bashful and go, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. Hadn't been to church in five years, you know. But I, I know I need to get in. There are millions yeah. 
millions of people. Millions like this. And they're hurting. They're not being fed. They go through crisis alone. Did you hear me? When that God intends that you're supposed to be surrounded by faith. And people, all your families around you with substance and money and provision and stuff. And that you're productive. you got a place. You're doing something that makes a difference. You're bearing fruit. Every one of us are supposed to be part of a local family slash local church. And you're supposed to operate like a family. Can you see this? Do you believe this? So if you're not hooked in, don't you rest till you do. Don't you rest till you find out what You know you're part of the family, but you need to be plugged into whatever part of that family that is right for you in God. And you don't need to waste any more time about it. Get hooked. Don't play. Get in and be part of the family. But if you got a real family, you're going to have a real daddy and a real mama. And they're not going to play. And they're going to say, boy, cut the grass. And what does daddy expect to happen? Expects the grass to be cut. No limp, no talk, no excuses. And that's just right. Huh? Mama says, girl, get in there and cook supper. (laughs) Look at this. We are suffering from centuries of nothing church. People just coming and sitting and going amen and going home. And it meaning nothing but a little social club. I'm not interested in playing church. Are you? Let's have a real. We're off to a pretty good start here. But let's go on and let's have a real church. Don't you get concerned. I'm not going to show up at your house and say, no, you can't eat chicken tonight. It's supposed to be beef. Now, are you kidding? I got too much going. Phyllis got too much going on. We're not going to tell you what clothes to wear and how to comb your hair. Don't care. (laughs) But when it comes to kingdom business, you're supposed to have some spiritual leadership. And you're supposed to respect it. And you're supposed to understand and know this word submit. And obey Right? Is it true or not? And yet people don't do that. Let me just not, if you were here, we went over this in detail. What is submission? Let me define it for you one more time. What is submission? You ever heard people say this? Well, now usually I submit. But on this, I just don't agree. The reality is they never submit. Now, for the first time in a long time, they have an opportunity to submit, and they're failing the test. If you want to do what they want you to do, you are not submitting. You're agreeing. Submission is when you don't agree. It's not until you don't agree that you have the opportunity to submit. And the perfect example of it is Jesus. Hmm? Father, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, boy, did he come back. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That means they weren't the same. He's not wanting to do this. 
This is submission. Is it easy? No. Does it come easy for anybody? No. Are you supposed to do it? Yes. Can you do it by the grace of God? Will you be blessed if you do? Yes. And see, children are supposed to be learning this when they're three. And they don't want to do it. Well, there's a lot of things you don't want to do. <laughs> Submit, big man. <laughs> what does that mean? Do it. <laughs> and if they're learning then, they're going to be good for school and for family and everything else. Go with me to Luke 11. Even though we're having so much fun, I think we can come to a close. <laughs> Luke 11. These things, love, submission, obedience. Say those three out loud with me. Love, love submission, submission obedience. He said husbands love. He said wives submit. He said children obey. Is this the right way a family operates? Hmm? Are you willing to incorporate this into your family? Let me say it another way. Are you willing to do the scriptures? Are you willing to obey the Bible? Yes. Got a number of people that won't say yes on that. It'll cost you if you won't. God's not trying to take anything away from you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to bind you. His way is the way to days of heaven on earth. Breakthroughs in areas that you've never had. Love you've never had. Warmth, fellowship you've never had. Oh, come on now. Do you believe it? Prosperity you've never had. Blessing, promotion, honor that you've never had. How am I going to be blessed submitting? Jesus is the perfect example. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. What did the Bible say? He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He went to the heart of the earth. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. And he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Let me tell you a secret, ladies, wives. If you don't submit to your husband, you take away his ability to honor you. To honor you. I know a lot of folk don't believe that. But it's true. Let's back up to this. What if you don't submit to your Lord? Can he honor you anyway? Does it make any difference? Isn't marriage a type of Christ in the church? It all works exactly the same way. We've got so much junk. In social and modern education. And politics. Until people are against the word. In all these areas. But it's not bondage. It's freedom. Said out loud. Love. Love. Submission. Submission. Obedience. Obedience. This is a real family. Love. Love. Submission. Submission. Obedience. Obedience. Is a real family. family. Not yelling and screaming and fighting and strife and anxiety. and No. That's like the ungodly. People don't even know God. Love. Submission. Submission. Obedience. Obedience. Do you like all three of those? It's the word of God. Do you like all three of them? All three of them. All three of them apply to all of us. All three apply to all of us. Matthew 11. Yeah, you're right. 
Luke 11, (laughs) 17. He, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house, what happens to it? It falls. What if a house is divided? It falls. Skip on down to verse 21. When a strong man, a what? Strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he takes from him all his armor wherein he trusts and divides his spoil. You want to tear something up, destroy the leader. No shepherd, the sheep are scattered, the scripture said. How do we keep the whole family together? All of us, every church, every minister, every minister, ministry and minister, hold to the head. Is it true? Hold. Who is the head? The Christ. The Son of the living God. He's what this whole thing is built on. Everybody, hold to the head. And what about in the local church? The head as the head's holding to the head. Can you see that? What about the family? Honoring the head and the head's holding to the local head and they're all holding to the head. Can you see that? And the enemy's trying to destroy heads. Isn't he? He's trying to destroy leadership in heads and scatter families. And scatter flesh. Trying to destroy marriages, isn't he? Destroy marriages and destroy families. Destroy heads, destroy husbands, destroy wives. Let's not be fools and let him do it. Listen to these words. Love. That's not selfish. Submission. That's not selfish. Obey. That's not selfish. What's going to divide households and cause them to be destroyed? Selfishness. My way. My way. We're going to do it my way. No, I'm not going to give in to you. I'm going to do it my way. No, I'm not going to obey you. We're going to do it our way. Selfishness. Love. Unselfish. Submission. Unselfish. Obedience. Unselfish. Can you see the house filled with the love of God? Filled with the peace of God. Filled with the grace of God. What about a local church then that's full of families? Oh, glory to God. Full of families that are loving and submitting and obeying. And then all the church is loving and submitting and obeying. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? We will be built. We will increase. We will advance. And the gates of hell won't win. Won't win at our house. Won't win at our church. We won't be divided and destroyed. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet and say, we will love. We will submit. We will obey. We're not afraid. We will love. We will submit. We will obey. Glory to God. Lord, we bless you. Come on, let's praise him some. Lord, we bless you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.